Hey everybody, welcome to the first episode of The OG. I'm John Kearney. I'm Steven Peters. And uh, today we're going to go over some of the biggest stories in sports and kind of give our takes on them. And that'll basically be how we how we go for week by week basis. Um, we'll be joined by various guests throughout you know the, the run of this podcast. And uh, ranging from college to even hopefully some professional athletes will be jumping on the, uh, the pod and you know, we'll be, we're excited to get into that. So, you know, we're going to jump right in and uh, start off with, you know, post-tournament reactions, you know, had a little time to let it sink in that Virginia won the, the championship. So, you know, what did you think of that final game, Steve? Um, final game was electric. Everyone thought it was going to be a snooze fest. Um, first half was kind of rough. First half was kind of <laughs> rough, um, especially the first five minutes. I think it was like, what, eight, six. It was, it was a low It scoring. was very low scoring and it was but, not, not great. <laughs> <laughs> but picked up quickly um, over time. Wasn't the greatest overtime I've seen before, but I mean, it was a great game throughout. Um, really crazy story for Virginia going from losing to a 16 seed to winning the championship next year. Um, that 30 for 30 is going to be wild. <laughs> um, I don't know. People are mad about the missed calls during the last two games for Virginia, but I feel like there's missed calls on both sides, so I don't really think there's much to be mad about. It's real easy to play Monday morning quarterback and say, oh, well, this should have happened and that should have happened. But in real time, it's – I mean, the, the ball that Ty Jerome dribbled off to the back of his foot and picked up and dribbled again, clearly a double dribble on replay. Mm-hmm. Real time, you can't tell. I, I, I don't think, especially where the ref is positioned, and it's just – it's not a call that you're going to make. But you don't want that call made, really, do you? Like, do you want that – ref to make the decision of that's how the game is going to end. They didn't know that like, he was going to hit that shot in the corner. A guy was going to hit that shot in the corner. Like <laughs> it was just an insane turn of events for, for that final four game. And then, you know, they made the best of the championship run. You know, it wasn't, they, it wasn't any, they didn't really have any blowouts. It was a lot of close, hard fought games. Every game was exciting. It was kind of like the way that you wanted to see a team win. Yeah. Even, even in the first game, um, they were down what? 12 at half against uh, the 16 seed. Yeah, yeah. Which is even crazier because everyone thought it was going to happen again. But those last three games, they were, what, down three, I think, in all three in the last maybe 15 seconds. Yeah. And that's just crazy. Crazy. Yeah, I mean, listen, congratulations, Virginia. Texas Tech came out of kind of nowhere for everybody. I mean, they were – people knew about a little bit about Jarrett Culver because, you know, of his draft possibilities. But otherwise, they weren't really a high-recognition team. So it was great to see them fight through all that adversity coming from, you know, they're a three seed, but three seed can be anywhere from, you know, 16 in the rankings to lower. I mean, maybe my math's not 100% correct, but it's somewhere in there. You know, I'm a comm major, so we don't do much math. (laughs) Um, But, uh, yeah, so congratulations, Virginia. Ty Jerome representing for New Rochelle and and Westchester County. Oh, yeah, the 914, baby. (laughs) Um, so, uh, you know, love to see that. Love to see the New York kid get a get a championship. Um, so we're going to kind of transition, you know, don't want to spend too much time on the NCAA, especially, you know, this will be coming out probably Friday or Monday. So, uh, you know, playoff matchup previews for the NBA. Staying with basketball. Um, everything's set. All the matchups are set. What do you think is going to happen there? Um, we'll start with the Eastern Conference. Um I think the Milwaukee Bucks Pistons matchup is going to be kind of boring to watch. I think the Bucks are just going to go and sweep them. I don't know how you feel about that. I mean, the Bucks have Giannis. 
but they don't really have another big man that can compete with Drummond and Blake. I'm not saying I'm going to take the Pistons. I think it's going to be a little more interesting than you're giving them credit for. I mean, I hope so. Um, Blake Griffin and Drummond are definitely people to be messed with in the post. But, I mean, other than that, Reggie Jackson's okay. Um, They're a very mediocre team to try. Yeah, they, they don't really have anything are. super special. But I think Blake is going to be a real matchup problem. So you can put Giannis on him. You know, you might have to lean a little bit on Drummond with, with Brooke Lopez in the middle because he's definitely not a defender. So I think it'll be a more interesting matchup just based on the fact that Giannis essentially plays like a center. He's just an uber-athletic center. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a lot of fast-break stuff. You're not going to be able to compete with him. You know, Blake is a really athletic guy. He's not going to be able to run with Giannis. Yeah. Um, Plus, uh, Dwayne Casey in Detroit, experienced coach, definitely in the postseason. Yeah, I mean, you never know what he's going to His experience at the Raptors, he doesn't have to worry about LeBron anymore. (laughs) So that helps a lot. (laughs) Although Giannis is kind of new LeBron. He just dominates every game, um, takes over when he has to. So even without a jump shot, which is crazy. Uh, I'm, I'm with you. I'm going to take Milwaukee there, but Detroit is, I, I think, a little more interesting than most people will think. How many games do you think? Oh, I think it'll probably be like five. I don't think Detroit mm-hmm. will win more than one game. They might win a game at home. Yeah, I can um, see that. I, I don't think it'll be, I'll say five max, because I could see them getting swept, but I think it'll be good games. I think it'll be comp- competitive. Um so, I mean, next up we have the Raptors and the Magic. Do we even bother? I think that's even going to be even worse, <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, I don't know how the Magic are a seven seed. I don't think I can name more than four or five players on the Magic right now. I think that that's just going to be a very, very poor matchup. Yeah. I was really hoping and praying they wouldn't get into the playoffs. No one cares. You're a mediocre team who's going to lose their franchise player again in Nikola Vucevic. You have Markel Fultz, who's going to be a dumpster fire. Mm-hmm. And I said that when he got drafted, before the Yips. <laughs> so the Yips just kind of held my argument. I didn't think he was going to be a star. I thought he was going to be mediocre, if at all, if even that. Um, he played on a team with nobody else at Washington. He yeah, was I mean, team. again, it's it's that classic argument of good player, bad team, good player because of a bad team, or good player and bad team. Mm-hmm. So, you know, anyway, Markel Fultz aside... I think it's going to be a, a blowout every game. Four-game sweep, not even going to be close. Mm-hmm. Kawhi, Kyle Lowry, Pascal Siakam, I mean, how, and Marcus all off the bench. The Raptors are too deep. You're it's, not going to beat them. It's such a matchup problem. Magic, you might as well just sign us intentional walk. <laughs> Get under the second round. <laughs> um, so, I mean, after that, third seed versus sixth seed is going to be the 76ers and the Nets. I think it's going to be one of the top matchups in the East. Um, the Nets are a really underrated ball club. Um, D'Angelo Russell's playing out of his mind. Jared Allen's a force to be reckoned with in the post. I think he's going to be a matchup problem for Joel Embiid defensively. I think he's going to bother Joel Embiid a lot. <laughs> Offensively, not so much. Um, Joe Harris is lights out from three. Um, I think the Nets have a better team than people are giving them credit for. Yeah, I, I would love to see the Nets beat the 76ers. Um, you know, the Sixers, I think, are a story where you really want to root for them because they, they really did come from the bottom. The whole process situation, drafting Embiid, drafting Simmons. Fold. That, all right. <laughs> but, um, putting that all together, I think, is and seeing it culminate in an Eastern Conference Finals run or even a Finals one would be great. But I just don't think their story compares to the Nets. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. The Nets sold their soul for Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce, aged very aged old, over thirty six years old. Yeah, and they were really in the gutter. They were the butt of the NBA for years, worse even than the Sixers were, because at least everyone knew the Sixers were doing it on purpose. It seemed like the net, the Nets were like, "Oh no, no, this is a great deal for us. We're getting Hall of Famers back, but you're getting past prime Hall of Famers." Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're built to succeed in the playoffs. They have the shooting. They have a deep bench. They have the guard play. They have the big defensive big man. I don't know. I don't know if the Sixers can shoot well enough to to keep them in games where Brooklyn's shooting really well. Russell's, you know, a mid-30% free throw shooter or three-point shooter. Um, Joe Harris, almost 40% from three. I think he's almost 50, actually. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, I mean... <laughs> I don't. I just don't know how you stop him with what the Sixers have because they're not going to put Jimmy Butler on Joe Harris. No, it's just not going to happen. You're going to have to keep him on D'Lo, try to isolate him from the rest of the team, make sure that he doesn't beat you. But then if you do that, you still have Dinwiddie, you still have Karis Levert, Rondé Hollis Jefferson. I mean, they have some really really solid pieces that. I think it's going to be a force to be reckoned with in, this, in these playoffs. And I would love to see them beat the 76ers. Your prediction, who wins that matchup? The Nets. The Nets in how many games? Seven. I don't think I can give it to the Nets yet. Not yet. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to go to seven. I think I'm going to give it to the Sixers with the home court advantage. I think they're going to find a way to pull it out because the Sixers still have matchup problems. I mean, Simmons is still a matchup problem. On almost every team he plays, even though he can't shoot. But he doesn't score. He doesn't try. Yeah. He doesn't try he to, to really be the scorer. I mean, not that he doesn't try in the game. I'm not questioning his effort. But, I mean, we saw him when he was in college. And yeah. some games, it's it's a <laughs> lot like – he's like a way more athletic Nikola Jokic. He's better in some ways and worse in other. He's less of a liability on defense. He can move yeah. a little bit more. Um but they both sometimes have these games where they're just checked out offensively, and it's like, ah, oh, no, I'll just set people up. And that's great, but if people aren't making shots and you're the best player on the floor, which sometimes he is, sometimes he isn't. Joel Embiid, I think, is a more talented player than he is, but I think he's definitely better than Jimmy Butler when he puts his mind to it, even without the shot. And I just don't know if Ben Simmons being checked out three out of seven games or two out of seven games is going to equal success for the 76ers. Um, yeah, I mean, I can see that. I think the shooting is going to be a problem for the Sixers, too. Um, I don't think they make it past this round if they do make it past the Nets. Mm-hmm. I think the Raptors end up beating them in the second round. But um, I do agree with all you, all of what you said. But I, I think I got to go stick with the sticks. Uh, I mean, one, one thing that's good for them is their playoff, their past playoff experience with last year. You know, they had a tough series against the Celtics. They made some you know, young player mistakes, Ben Simmons, namely, mm-hmm. um, in that final game, he, he threw the ball away a couple times and that was not great for their, for their prospects of winning that series. Yep. That was what really ended up with them losing the series. Um, so I think that playoff experience will be good for them, but at the same time, you know, the Nets do have a veteran presence in Jared Dudley. I always see him on Twitter. You know, I, I, I love it. I, I think it's great that they have, you know, one of the older guys that's really, I think the reason that the Nets are so great is because they've come together more as a team than I think a lot of teams in the NBA will ever come together. They're unified in their celebrations. They're unified in their defeat. No one is ever – there's no name calling. There's no calling anyone out. There's nowhere any story out of Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you can say that 
about like how that was the opposite with the Lakers. I guess it's a little different because they're the Lakers. It's kind of like the Nets are kind of like the Clippers. I feel like yeah to the That's Knicks. Really good, really um, good uh, analogy where it's people are still going to go to the Knicks even if they're bad to go to the MSG even if they're bad. Whereas the Nets struggle to draw fans, and I, I think that sucks because they're doing so well and they're exceeding expectations by leaps and bounds. So I don't know. For me personally, it's more of a hope that they win rather than the practicality that they win being yeah. such a young team. But either way, this is going to be a great experience for them. I expect to see them back in the playoffs next year. Yeah, I think this series is going to be a great, and I think the next series we're going to talk about uh, Pacers and Celtics is going to be another really good one. Oh, I hope the Pacers win so bad. <laughs> I, I just want to see the destruction of the Celtics strictly because everyone was so high on them at one point in time last year when they were going up against the Cavs. It was going to be Celtics versus the Cavs, no Kyrie. Well, how did they do it? Jason Tatum, uh, you know, there's a lot of people on uh, on Twitter call him Jason Christ, uh, who are on Lakers Twitter, I should say, call him Jason Christ as a uh, making fun of him because apparently he just can't do anything wrong for most people in the NBA or most NBA, you know, analysts or talking heads. So I would love to see the Celtics get knocked out in the first round. Kyrie leaves, goes to New York, goes wherever he goes. I don't care. I don't think he's staying with the Celtics. Um, and then they're stuck and they have to make it work with Tatum, who I don't know can make the jump to a superstar next year. I think maybe two years I could see him doing that, but it doesn't, he didn't show me what I wanted to see this year. And that could, you could blame that on Kyrie coming back. You could blame it on Hayward coming back, mm-hmm. which is going to take a lot, a few of his shots, but he just didn't really show me what I wanted to see. And I feel like in the NBA now, you have to be able to play with people. You can't just be like, oh, well, they came back. Now I have less shots. I'm not going to be as efficient. I'm not going to play as well. Yeah, I mean, the argument at the beginning of the season for the Celtics was that they were too deep. There was too many people that needed the ball in their hands. At one point or another, that argument kind of falls to the wayside and you need to play with the people on your team. Um, Yeah, a lot of people need shots, but good teams figure it out by the end of the season. Um, I don't know if the Celtics are that team this year. I really don't. I don't. They might blow it up next year to try to keep Kyrie in there too, because they might try to trade Jason Tatum, uh, Jalen Brown, all the young stars to uh, New Orleans to get Anthony Davis. Mm-hmm. That'll be interesting. I don't think that's the right move for them. I think they should stick with their young core and let Kyrie walk. Can I be honest with you? I think any team that blows up their entire team for Anthony Davis is going to end up regretting it. Yeah, he's never had a full healthy season, even for for the Lakers. Who you know, I'm a Lakers fan, but. I don't want them to trade their whole young core that they just spent four that we just watched four years of losing for five years of losing for to get those picks. And now we're trading them for a superstar who's legitimately probably one of the top five players in the game. Yeah. Might even be top three when he's healthy. Yeah. But there's always that caveat. It's like Embiid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's probably top five when he's healthy, but there's no guarantee he's going to be healthy. Mm-hmm. And he's never played a full season. I'm pretty sure he's only played 70 games once. Uh, we'll have to double check that and we'll come back to it. But, um, you know, I, I think especially a team like the Celtics that has had playoff success, if you can't get him in free agency right now, why would you trade your whole future, mortgage everything, for one player who can't seem to stay on the court? And who only has one more year on his deal, even if you do trade for him? So you need a guarantee he's going to sign. If he doesn't give you that guarantee – what stops you from is that what stops you from trading for him or do you try to go the Kawhi route where it's he has one more year we're going to try to convince him to stay we're going to try to get to a title i think it's going to be a mistake but 
you know, so who are you going to pick in that series? Sorry for that, uh, that sprint away from what we were doing, but. <laughs> so in an era of pace of play, speed, speed and analytics, the Pacers are the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. They're straight grit. They're bottom third and, or almost to the bottom of um, pace of play per game, um, three-point attempts per game, and they play great defense, and they don't take a lot of bad shots. The loss of Oladipo is huge, especially in crunch time, and they've been struggling as of late. They're like – I think they're, they were 4-10 and 10 in the month of March at one point. Um and Bogdanovich and um, what's his name? Wesley Matthews have made up a lot of the scoring. Yeah. But I don't know if they're enough to beat the Celtics. Mm-hmm. Brad Stevens is still a great coach. And I mean, they're not playing well together, but they still have a lot of great players on the Celtics team. I think the Celtics are going to take it. Okay. Yeah. I like that pick too. I think the Celtics will take it. I would love to see again, like the Pacers are like the Celtics were last year. They lose their star uh, or in the Celtics case last year, stars, but they lose their star to a dramatic injury. You know, uh, it would just be great to see them take control of their own destiny without a star and say, we're going to do this for Victor Oladipo, beat the Celtics. They're not going to advance past the second round. I don't think any, I don't think either of these teams will advance past the second round. I, I really think Milwaukee and Toronto are going to run, run the gambit with yeah, it, but I think I agree. Uh, I would love to see the Pacers. I'm going to have to pick the Celtics. Yeah. Um, and going back to our earlier point, or my earlier point, Anthony Davis has only played seventy games twice. Mm. And he played seventy five the last. He played seventy five last year and the year before, um, which is great. But he's also played sixty four, sixty seven, sixty eight, and now fifty six and sixty one in twenty fifteen sixteen. Do you think he would have played more this year though if they were like a better team and he wasn't on the trading block for most of the season? I think if he hadn't demanded a trade, he probably would have played more. Yeah. I think it's all you know precautionary for them because why would you put him out there if you're afraid he's going to get traded but um i i just think and so even if you take this season out with the 56 he's still only played 75 games twice right or he's played 70 games twice which means he still hasn't played even 80 which granted is a lot of games to play but and i mean lebron's only played 82 twice or once in his career but for when when you're the the go-to guy on a team you have to be playing more than 64 games a season yeah I, I just think it's it's unfair to your team and to the team that trades for you for to give up all of their assets for you to maybe miss 18 games that's a lot of games i mean look, look what happened to the lakers with lebron he missed 17 games and they mm-hmm. fell off the map it's tough to be a leader when you're missing that many games exactly uh, speaking of leaders magic johnson blew everybody's mind <sighs> the night that d wade and dirk play their last home games was possibly the most insane night of basketball we've had this season. Um, Jamal Crawford dropped 50, oldest player ever to drop 50, which is absolutely insane. Almost didn't get a contract this year, found a home with the Suns. I'm glad he did. Really happy for him. One of my favorite players to watch ever. Oh, yeah. Just so exciting. And whether it's YouTube videos of his pickup games in Seattle or just crazy stuff that he would pull out in-game in the NBA, congratulations to Jamal Crawford. That's unbelievable. Big facts. Um, Dirk and D-Wade did not disappoint in their last home games or even their last professional games yeah. last night. Dirk had 20 and 10, and uh, Dwayne Wade had his fifth career triple-double with uh, the Banana Boat crew watching. <laughs> so, you know, I'm sure we'll get some Banana Boat uh, pictures later this summer because everybody has off for the first time in their careers together. 
Not Chris Paul. Not Chris Paul, but Chris Paul doesn't really count. What? Chris Paul was drafted like two years after those guys. Yeah, he's he like he's, he's, he's like if Dan, maybe your brother was hanging out with us. Yeah, he's a little brother in the group. <laughs> it's like, yeah, Chris, you can come, but like you don't have to. <laughs> um, just kidding. We we love your brother. But uh debatable. <laughs> uh so you know, that was a great night. And then Magic just comes out of left field swinging, throwing haymakers to the, the psyche of every NBA reporter saying, I'm done. I'm not doing this with the Lakers anymore. I didn't, it, he, he brought up tweets with Rachel Nichols saying he wanted to be able to tweet about players in the NBA. If that's your biggest concern, I don't really want you as our president. <laughs> so, um, you know, it was just shocking. Um, people are really divided on, or not really divided on him as a, as a front office exec, but, so for me, it seems like Magic the player is very different from Magic the GM or pr- president of team operate basketball operations, mm-hmm. um, or even when he was a head coach for a short period of time that didn't work out. You know, I just don't think that he's necessarily cut out for that kind of work, and I also don't think that he's been as bad as everyone thinks. It's easy to say that him trading D'Angelo Russell was a huge mistake, but they also traded Timofey Mozgov which helped them get the cap space to sign LeBron. Um, and D'Angelo Russell then wasn't D'Angelo Russell today. Exactly. Him being with the Nets is what allowed him to become D'Angelo Russell today because he, he even the way he played was so different with the Lakers. It was, I'm going to get my shots. Him and Jordan Clarkson were two of the most shot-heavy players I've ever seen at that age especially. Mm-hmm. Um and Jordan Clarkson hasn't really changed. He's still just pulling from wherever he gets the ball. He's shooting. Shoot or shoot. But, um, but D'Angelo Russell has really found out, found a way to become a leader in uh, in Brooklyn. And I'm happy for it. I, I, I wish he would have done that with the Lakers. But I understand why he traded him. I don't think any other thing that they did was really a mistake. Brook Lopez, no one saw him shooting 40% from three this year. Like. It's not a thing that anyone looked to the future and everyone said, well, he can shoot. Doesn't mean that he's like, he's, he's a little bit of a shooter. He'll shoot, you know, low 30%. And for a big man, that's pretty decent. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I just think that magic's getting a little too much hate for what he did, but also it's kind of understandable because it all happens so fast. And also the thing that really bugged, that really bugged me was that he didn't tell Jeannie bus ahead of time. Um, I, th- I think, and he said, you know, she would have talked him out of it, but I think if you need to be steadfast in what you want to do, if you don't want to do it anymore, don't do it anymore. Tell your boss, don't sp- imagine you're sitting at home and one of your employees says to, to newspaper reporters and you get alerts from someone or someone calls you and says, so, uh, can you get a comment on magic, uh, leaving, stepping down? And she's like, what are you talking about? Like that just, it, I think it's just bad business. Um, and that was really what bothered me more than him stepping down at all was that he didn't tell Jeannie Buss ahead of time. Yeah, I agree with everything you said. Um, I don't think D'Angelo Russell becomes a player he is today if he's still in Los Angeles. No. Even if they don't draft Lonzo, say they draft Jason Tatum or anybody else. If they draft Aaron Fox, I don't think it's going to matter. He's no. still getting traded. Yeah, because, I mean, um, with Brandon Ingram on that team, with everybody that's on that team, he's not going to become as ball-dominant as he is in – uh, Brooklyn, they're not going to let him develop the way he needed to develop. Plus, I mean, like Lonzo, when he's on the court and healthy, has been playing pretty well as a. This, he's this not a bust. He's he not. does what he's what you expect him to do. Yeah, and I do agree with you with uh, Magic. If you're going to step down as um, 
the VP of basketball operations at um, for the Lakers, you gotta tell you gotta tell Jeannie Bus like that's it, it's like any other job. You always give you give two weeks notice to your boss when you leave a job. Generally, even if it's not two <laughs> weeks notice in this scenario, a couple hours. Just, yeah, you just call and say, "Hey, listen, like this isn't for me. I don't have the same views as you do. I need to step down." Because apparently, like, I mean, there's a rumor going around that he wanted to fire Rob Plinka, but Jeannie Buss and a lot of Lakers came to Plinka's um, defense and mm-hmm. were like, no, he's the right guy for this. And I mean, if that's and Luke Walton, too. Yeah, Luke Walton, too. I mean, if you have like conflicting um, thoughts with your boss, you got to do something about it. And if stepping down is what you got to do, then that's what you got to do. Mm-hmm. I, I think, and listen, Luke Walton is not a perfect coach. I think he's gotten a raw deal every year he's been with the Lakers. Who is a perfect coach? And to be fair, he's increased their win total every year. It hasn't – I mean, this year kind of was more stagnant than they had planned. Mm-hmm. But LeBron missed 17 games. So asterisk there. Yeah. Last season, Lonzo gets hurt. Brandon Ingram gets hurt for stretches at a time. Asterisk there. Still increased their win total. Mm-hmm. Year before, increased their win total. His first – his three years as Lakers coach, they've gotten better every season. And you can see little little steps – and I don't think it's fair to judge Brandon Ingram yet. D'Angelo Russell, this is his fourth year. It doesn't. It seems like you know he's been around a little longer. It's his fourth year, and he finally hit that that jump. They say don't judge NBA players until their fourth year in the league. That's when you're because they finally you know they figure it out or they don't. And D'Angelo Russell figured it out. I think you got to give Brandon Ingram next year. Um, I like I said earlier, I wouldn't trade for Anthony Davis right now. I would trade unless I'm trading LeBron. And that is something that people don't want to hear. Jeff Van Gundy said it. I said it at the trade deadline to uh, to you and our friends. Mm-hmm. Was I think they should try? They should throw that package out there. LeBron for AD for AD and like a second round pick or a first round pick in three years. I'd take that mm-hmm. because Anthony Davis fits there the way that they want to play without LeBron. With LeBron dominating the ball, it's going to be LeBron dribbles, 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 dribbles. If he sees an assist, assist. Or he's going to go to the basket or hit a st- shoot a step back three. There's not a lot of variation in that offense, and there's not a lot of things that Anthony Davis can do without the ball in his hands. So if you have your point guard as Lonzo or Alex Caruso, who I think has been a revelation this year, I don't think they should discount what he's done mm-hmm. or any of the guys that they brought up from South Bay. I think they should give everybody a look and kind of take a look at a hard look at their roster and say, do we really want to keep Mo Wagner? I, I don't know. I Jonathan Jones or uh, Jonathan Williams did an unbelievable job those last five, six games and throughout the season when he was up with the team. But, you know, I, I think trading LeBron is a reasonable outlook. It's either trade LeBron or trade everyone and win right this second. And if you don't win, tear it down. But then if you don't win right away, what do you do? Because you have nothing to fall back on. Yep. Um, I think the problem with trading LeBron, in my opinion, is that you're not going to get the return that you want for him. But you're getting Anthony Davis. I don't know if that's if they're gonna accept that. Would would you accept that if you're the Pelicans? Yeah, probably. Really? Because they don't have the young talent that they're gonna win in the future. Like who do they have? They have Randall, who's twenty four. Played well this year. Played well. Played really well. Mm-hmm. They have Jaleel Okafor. Also played well who's stretch. Played well without Anthony Davis in there, mm-hmm. but not necessarily a cornerstone. Right. They have Drew Holiday, who's thirty one. Um what? A lot of money. Yeah, so I mean, I, I think if I'm the Pelicans, I might say, take him. He's going to leave anyway. He's already told us he's not resigning. If you can get LeBron from that for the last three years of LeBron's career, LeBron has doesn't have a no-trade clause. 
There's nothing to say that you can't trade him. And that was probably made in good faith, but Magic's gone. Magic's the one that made that deal. I don't care what people say. Palenka was there when he signed. Doesn't matter. Magic was the one that they sent to his house. Magic's the one that he talked to. Magic's the reason, part of the reason that he signed. Magic's gone. Make a decision now on the on your team's future. The same way the Knicks kind of had to do with Carmelo. Mm-hmm. You know, he's an aging superstar. LeBron's not there. He's not, you know, in that hole that Melo eventually fell into. But he's an aging superstar. He's going to be 35. He finally had his first major injury this year. And it wasn't even a major injury from what we know. His physical therapist said some stuff. Yeah. But it's LeBron and he always does that. I mean, groin injuries are very just naggy. Yeah. Like they're tough. They're tough to deal with. So especially as a basketball player with all the lateral movement you got to do. So. Oh, no. I'm not. Don't don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that he should have come back in a week. Mm -hmm. But I'm saying as compared to, you know, a torn Achilles, Kobe tore his Achilles, uh, torn ACL, something like that, where something gets really like torn, separated from the bone, the whole thing, even broken bones. You're getting older. You know, I I think if I'm the Lakers, I have all this young talent. I mortgage right now for two years from now, re-sign Anthony Davis as soon as you trade for him, get that. You have to get that guarantee. You have to know. And that's the same with any, if any team traded for him, if the Timberwolves traded for Anthony Davis, not that they would, but any team, you have to have the guarantee he's going to resign. You're not giving up what you're going to give up for Anthony Davis knowing that he's not going to resign. If you're the Lakers, would you rather just kind of hope and pray that he doesn't resign with whatever team he gets traded to next year and then sign him after that or try to sign him after that? Uh, I think it depends on what happens this summer with Kawhi. Mm. Because if Kawhi doesn't sign with the Lakers, much the same that Paul George, they could have, they the Pacers wanted them to offer Brandon Ingram. They said no. Um, or he would have been part of that package deal for Paul George before Paul George went to the Thunder. I think they kind of they're kicking themselves from that right now, uh, especially the way he played early on in the season and for most of the season until he got hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if Kawhi doesn't want to come to the Lakers after you, you know, it's Popovich. He wasn't going to trade him to you anyway. But I feel like there's got to be some leeway there. There had to have been someone on the Lakers that Pop wanted that they were saying no, yeah. um, and. I think that to wait is a really risky game. I don't know that Kawhi is going to leave Toronto. You know, you give him if you give him a season to win a championship or attempt to win a championship, almost get to an Eastern Conference Finals or get to wherever he goes. I think it's going to be it's going to be tough to reconcile that with not trading for him. But at the same time, if your young players come on next year and Lonzo's averaging 15, 9 and 7 mm-hmm. in his third year back, finally healthy, finally a healthy summer. Brandon Ingram hits his fourth year stride. Kuzma keeps doing what he's doing. Caruso comes on as a bench point guard, someone that'll give you, you know, 12 points off the bench, a couple assists here or there. A little spark. Josh Hart, energy off the bench. They have a lot of guys that can that could really become, if not stars in the league, important. Uh important to a team. So we'll see what happens with that. You know, the draft is uh still a little bit away, but that's gonna be an interesting time. For sure. Um Western Conference playoffs, Steve. This is where our bread is buttered. This is what's going on. What are you taking? First matchup, Clippers-Warriors. I'm taking Patrick Beverly, annoying the absolute shit out of Steph Curry. Um, But not much else. I mean, Clippers, fun club to watch. Lou Williams off the bench is a spark plug. Um, They play with a lot of tenacity. 
They play with a lot of toughness, but the Warriors are just too good. It's going to be like watching varsity against JV. Yeah, basically. Or freshman, really. It's the Clippers. The Clippers did their absolute best to not make the playoffs, and still made, and the, still made playoffs. the playoffs as the eight seed. Yeah, which is must be so upsetting for Steve Ballmer. He's just sitting there as an owner, like, why? We tried to tank. We tried to get that top five pick, and now we're sitting, looking, staring at the Warriors in our first playoff experience without Chris Paul and Blake Griffin. What are we going to do? And DeAndre Jordan. Uh, it's going to be the Warriors in four games. <laughs> yeah, but they have they do have like a pretty decent core in uh, in LA. I think Montrezl Harrell really came into his own. Yeah, no, you're right. I'll take the Warriors in three. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, like for the future. I'm not saying now because they're going to get smacked. There's no doubt about that. But like, I don't know. I almost I, hope they don't though. I, I mean, it would be a yeah. lot of fun to see the Clippers win a game. That just you know, as a uh, a last resounding effort to. Uh, to boost their spirits for, for the coming off season where they might sign Kawhi. They might sign KD. Who knows? KD might be looking at them. If they win a couple games, like we could do some things with this team. You know? Jimmy Butler? Uh, no, I, I think Jimmy Butler is one of the most overrated stars, but I see, I can see them signing him too. Yeah. I think he's going to be a consolation prize for whatever team doesn't get a major superstar, yeah. including the Lakers, including the Knicks. I think I could see them. I think it'd be a mistake. I think, he would ruin whoever any young people on that. Frank Nilakina would be ruined by Jimmy Butler. I mean, he's already kind of ruined. I mean, I listen. I, I heard uh, uh, one of the Ringer podcasts talk about it, and they <laughs> they just they, they, that's what they said was just Jimmy Butler will ruin Frank Nilakina because he doesn't. He's not like okay enough to do it. No. <laughs> he's not even good enough to be on the floor, let alone you know, deal with someone as competitive as Jimmy Butler who wants to win as badly as Jimmy Butler does. I mean, statistically, him and Kevin Knox are, like, two of the worst rookies of all time. Not in, like, in consecutive <laughs> years. So, like, Kevin Knox this year and mm-hmm. Nilekina last year were two of the worst rookies of all time, which is absolutely absurd. Yeah, but I think Kevin Knox had, like, two almost two first games as a rookie because he started the season and then he rolled his ankle and sprained his ankle for those couple games mm-hmm. and then had to come back and you know everyone's starting to get back into the field all of Russ has been shaken off You're he's right. still trying to adapt so I think that's a little bit of a caveat there I think he's more way more skilled than Nilakina oh is. yeah for sure Nilakina looks lost on the court he does yeah he's a great defender yeah he's got the length but he literally can't do anything else and the last time that I had this conversation I was at my friend's apartment and we were watching the game and he hit like six threes he had like a career high in points it was insane <laughs> And we, we had argued about it for like a half hour with everyone just shitting on Frank Nilakina. He went off, and that was the last time we heard from him. <laughs> so what I'm hearing is uh, he's going to be the most improved player next year. Definitely not. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so Denver Spurs 2-7 matchup. What are you thinking there? Because I have my own biases here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'll let, you t- I'll let you take this one first. I think this is Den's worst nightmare just from – the experience of Pop, the team is kind of deep, deepish, maybe, to Spurs. I mean, DeMar DeRozan's no one to uh, sneeze at. LaMarcus Aldridge is good. Patty Mills. Um, they have a good squad down there in San Antonio. And you know Pop is going to get them ready for the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And I think the Nuggets are a little too young. I think this game, this series can go six or seven games. I agree with that. I, I think I could see it going six games. The problem is, is that there's that's I mean seven games I guess makes a little more sense just because I think Denver will win all four games at home mm-hmm. that they have to potentially play because they have the best home record in the league playing in you know the mile high city 
altitude is always a factor, whether it's football, basketball, baseball, it doesn't matter. There's always something going on that affects the game. And if you're used to playing there, it helps you a lot. I, I just don't see the Spurs being much of a force this year. I, I would love to see them. And that's part of you know what I mentioned earlier was my, with my bias was that I love Pop. I think he's the greatest coach of all time. I think this just proves that he's the greatest coach of all time because he's doing it with less talent than he's had mm-hmm. almost ever in his career. Yeah, for sure. Um, with the exception of last year where Kawhi was out and it was just Marcus Aldridge and Rudy Gay. Uh, they had DeJounte Murray and stuff like that, but it, it wasn't what he's used to. And this year, again, isn't necessarily what he's used to coming up with David Robinson, Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, Manny Ginobili, you know, the guys that everybody knows. Yeah, and I mean, DeJounte Murray got hurt right at the beginning of the season, I think. Yeah, he tore his ACL. Which is a huge loss for them because he looked really good last year. This was his year. This is his year that they thought he was going to really come come into his own, uh, take over that point guard spot. I'm taking Denver. Yeah, Nikola Jokic is my favorite player in the NBA. (laughs) I will refuse to badmouth that man despite how bad his defense is because he's just the flashiest center of all time. And he has no vertical. I'm interested to see who has a worse vertical, him or Boogie. Um, because DeMarcus Cousins had a 24-inch vertical at the combine. (laughs) So it would be interesting to see a matchup of Boogie jumping and Nikola Jokic jumping. Um, I think Boogie's going to take it, just because Jokic, I don't think, even lifts his feet up off the floor when he runs, (laughs) let alone jumping for rebounds. But he does it anyway. He's... He was an MVP candidate for most of the season until it exploded after the All-Star break. I just think that he's going to really dominate this game. And I think they need to get it into his head that he has to dominate this game, these games, to push his team forward uh, through the playoffs. Because they have talent. They have uh, Gary Harris Jr. They have Jamal Murray. They have uh, the Plumley. One of them, one of the many, <laughs> the Plumley, <laughs> that one Plumley. Uh, is it Mason Plumley? I think so. Yeah. So I mean, he's a great spark plug off the bench. Um, Will Barton's still there. Paul Millsap. They have a lot of talent on that team, uh, and it's not just young guys. It's guys that have been there. Paul Millsap made the playoffs. You know, however many years. So uh, Nuggets in, I'll say five. I'll go Nuggets six. Okay. All right. So no seven game series so far. Yeah. We'll see how that goes with the Portland and OKC series. I think this one's going to be good. Um, Westbrook, he gets a lot of crap online. I think he's still one of the best players of our generation. Um, again, not the matchup Portland wanted no. first round at all. But, I mean, there's not really a team in the West that you'd want to see first round other than maybe the Clippers. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think the Thunder might come away with this. I agree with you. I would love to see Portland do it. I just don't know that they that defensively they're going to be able to match up with OKC. The way OKC plays defense is like is is not something that the NBA is used to. Damian Lillard, I think, is still going to get what he's going to get. He always will. CJ McCollum, same kind of thing. Yeah, I'd like to shout out my guy Anthony Anthony Simons. Simons, <laughs> I stumbled over for, his name. Get his name ready for the shout that doesn't, out. <laughs> that doesn't that doesn't change the fact that I love that he put up 37 points last night um, in the last game of the season. That he played 48 minutes, which is insane. But he also played almost zero minutes <laughs> for most of the season. So you know, give him a little run. But um, I just don't think anyone's going to – I don't think they have someone to guard PG, really. Nope. Um, and Russ is a whole uh, 
what would be interesting is if Russ changes how he plays a little bit for the playoffs, just tweaks it where he's not shooting as many threes yeah. where he's not shooting as much period, but he's still putting pressure on the defense where he's going to go to the rim and he's just looking to pass out of, you know, double, double teams and contested shots uh, where there's always an open man. Yeah. I mean, the loss of Nurkic is going to hurt Portland. It's a big, big loss, time. especially with Steven Adams. Um, yeah. I mean, they have Ennis Cantor, but he's not going to be able to play defense on Steven Adams. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Nerlens Noel off the bench is still a really good player. Yep, versatile. Um, got a question for you. you think the Thunder can actually beat Denver in the second round if Westbrook stops shooting as many threes as he is? I think it would be a great series. Yeah. The too. defense is going to be interesting. Oh, yeah. Clamps. But Denver has home court. So even if it goes seven, I have faith in Denver taking all their home – like their home games are going to be something where they really have an upper hand mm-hmm. for almost every series they play in, with the exception of if they come come up to the Warriors in that final uh, – that Western Conference final. But I, I just – I mean, what do you think? Do you think – Yeah, I think, the, I think the Nuggets would take it. Um, I'd like to see the Thunder take it just because it's – I like the Thunder a little bit more than I like the Nuggets. Mm-hmm. But like you said, that home court advantage, I think, is going to help Denver out a lot. Um, the Thunder do have to get past the Trailblazers first anyway, but mm-hmm. I think they do in – I'm going to go six games. I'm going to give Dame two games. Okay. That's that's fair. I, I think I think that's fair. But again, you know, playoff Westbrook, that defense against – even though Dame – as diverse of a scorer as Dame is, I – I just don't know if Westbrook turning it up a notch is going to make it reachable for them to get to even two games. Mm-hmm. Um, My thing is, I think they play, they'll they play three games in Portland. I think the Thunder will take one of those. I think Portland will win the other two. Yeah, I, I, then, I mean, Portland's so electric during the playoffs. And too. I think Oklahoma City takes the three in OKC. Okay, yeah, that's so. There's that's my logic. Um, all right, so... What's the last game? Rockets, Jazz. Again, Jazz are kind of like the Pacers of the West. They play a lot of defense, not a lot of scoring. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you saw the video of Pat Beverly talking to um, Jay Crowder. <laughs> Showing him how to defend Harden. <laughs> so I think it's going to be a more interesting matchup than people think. I think Harden's going to be super frustrated. Plus, it's playoff Harden, so you never know really yep. what you're going to get. That doesn't stop me from thinking that the Rockets are going to take this. Yeah, I was a little questioning where you, where you were gonna go with uh, with that original stand with the the Jazz's defense. I don't think it's gonna be a series. I, I think Gobert can play defense as much as he wants. Capella plays great defense for mm-hmm. the for the Rockets, so I think they kind of cancel each other out. No one else on that team can equal what James Harden's gonna do. Plus Chris Paul, plus Eric Gordon. Plus PJ Tucker? Yeah. <laughs> I'll go with that. I'll go with um, that. Um, I think it's been an unbelievable turnaround from the Rockets from where they were in the beginning of the season to falling out of the playoff race to the bottom of the playoffs, mm-hmm. working their way all the way back. They were in the fight for the two seed. Quick kind of tumble to four, but I think they're they're in a great position to succeed in these playoffs. Yeah, I mean – the second round matchups in the West would be electric if it's Warriors, Rockets. If all the Thunder top Nuggets. seeds, yeah, I well, mean, or not all the top seeds, but if three of the top, the higher seeds yeah. plus the Thunder make it, because I, I, the Thunder are a higher seed than they're given credit for. Yeah, I think so too. I think they're better than the Jazz 
I think, you know, otherwise, I don't know. Them and Portland are kind of neck and neck, I would say. Mm-hmm. But I think they're going to be different in the playoffs. That's why I picked them. Um, the second round, match, I, I, the Western Conference is just leaps and bounds better than the East at, towards the bottom of that, yeah, of from, their conference. From top to bottom, I would say it's just better. It's more competitive. Mm-hmm. And that's what you like to see. And, uh, you know, speaking of the, peop- the bottom, people expected the Kings to be in the bottom this year. Yeah. Dave Yeager just got let go. Vladi Divac got an extension because they like what he's been doing. I don't know how you fire Jaeger. You have a few thoughts on this. Yeah. I mean, the Kings finally figured out how to use their roster to their advantage this year. And they were just having track meets up and down the floor. Mm-hmm. Granted, that's not the best way to play down the stretch. Cause then you return into like the Andy Reid of the NBA. <laughs> where you don't know how to manage the clock, mm-hmm. but um, I think they won 47 games this year. 40 something. They won over 40 games. Mm-hmm. And it's a big jump from what, where they've been. Bagley's good. Um, De'Aaron Fox looked great this year. Buddy Heald looked great. Mm-hmm. I think one of the main reasons they might have fired him was that one game against, uh, I think it was the Warriors, where um, Buddy Heald hit one from deep. Oh, they yeah. And he told him, and, yeah, he told him not to shoot it again. From they ended up losing that game. Yeah. They won 39 games, but oh, still. Wow. I, I'm sorry. But that's still such a – it doesn't yeah. – I mean, listen, we corrected it. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, they really made a huge leap this year, De'Aaron Fox – Last year was a really disappointing rookie season for him. Mm-hmm. Um, he took a big leap this year. He found his place in the league. He found what he does really well, what he does okay, and what he doesn't do well. And what he does really well is be faster than everybody yeah. else. Um, Can't teach speed. They also have Harry Giles, who I think is still working his way into NBA playing shape. He doesn't get a whole lot of run, but they just have so many young pieces that – I, I don't see how they can not succeed in a couple years if they keep at this uh, this trend. And uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich, yep, beast, lights out in crunch time. In crunch oh time. yeah, beats so many teams with oh, buzzer beaters, yeah. especially as a 23, 24 year old kid. Um, I, I love the kid. I'm upset for for Dave Yeager. I think he did a great job this year. I think he coached this team despite the Buddy Heald issue. Yeah, um, and I think he's right. It's a bad shot. But if you have it, especially the second time that he had it, it was wide open. Yeah. The first time he was contested, it was like a 40-footer. <laughs> but the second time, you have to take that shot. And I think you you talk to a player after the game in that case. Yeah, exactly. You don't talk to him. You don't yell at him on the court when it goes in. Yeah. That's you can say after and film, you know. That's an issue you bring up in the locker room after the game. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I really like the Kings. I like their roster. Um, they have one of my favorite players in Yogi Ferrell. Yeah, there you go. little scrappy young guy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't understand why – I feel like this is a problem in the NBA especially. They don't give rebuilding coaches enough mm-hmm. cr- like time to build their team up. Yep. This is his third season. The mm-hmm. roster he had the last few years has been pitiful. Yep. Pitiful. And like he's finally starting to take those steps to be a better team and you let him go. It just doesn't make sense mm-hmm. to me. It really doesn't. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And it's the same – it's a similar situation as Luke Walton where yeah. – with, I mean, obviously he has the caveat of we have LeBron James, but third year rebuilding team got LeBron this year. LeBron gets hurt early in the halfway through the season, a little less than halfway through the season, and you're stuck. So I think to let go of coaches like Dave Yeager, especially because he had such little talent when he first came in, 
to build that team into an almost 41 team scratching at the bottom of that playoff race. Um, they, they had a, they had potential to make the playoffs this year. Mm-hmm. I think, do you think if they made the playoffs, they would have fired him? I don't think you can, especially in the Kings situation when they've been rebuilding for these past one, mm-hmm. four years when they trade to Marcus cousins. No, it wasn't four years ago. Uh, three years, three years. Yeah, so they traded past, him his first year, I think. Yeah. So past three years. Yeah. Um, I don't think you fire him if you make the playoffs. So, yeah, I, it's tough, it's, tough situation. It's I just don't know who they sign. Yeah, who are they gonna um, sign? Luke Walton when he gets fired? <laughs> like, what's the difference? Jason Kidd. <laughs> he's such a bad coach. Yeah, he was not the greatest coach, and he's also up there for the Lakers job. And I'm just yeah. like, no, I'll, I could, I would be okay with bringing him in as an assistant to just develop Lonzo into the next Jason Kidd. Ooh, <laughs> now we're talking. But I, I want Mark Jackson to get that job, mm, the Lakers job. I. Mark Jackson for the Kings would be a great fit. Yeah. Let's not talk about another man's job. Luke Walton is still the Lakers head coach. No, we're going to talk about another man's job because <laughs> I. the thing is, Jeannie Buss is going to go down with the ship with Luke Walton because she loves Luke Walton. She has so much love for the Walton family. But at the same time, I think she should step away from the run, like the active running of the team. Because I don't think owners – Where when has it ever worked out where an owner is really – really successful with essentially being the president, like being involved in basketball decisions. Mark Cuban, they won a championship. Yeah. I mean, you know, Steve Ballmer is relatively active. He's involved, but he's not. I feel like he's not as involved in the actual decisions as he is involved in making an absolute scene and mess of himself (laughs) at the game. That's true. (laughs) He's just a figure. Um, I'm trying to think of other people, you know, the Kings owner finally took a step back and look what happens. Exactly. I think ownership needs to be ownership and take care of that side of things. Whereas the basketball side of things needs to be left to the people who not that Jeannie bus hasn't, doesn't know as much basketball as some of the people that she's working with because she's been around it. She grew up in it. Mm-hmm. But I think when you have personal connections to players and coaches, it doesn't bode well for the success of your team because then you have to make the tough decisions, which is part of the reason that Magic, I think, left. So um, I think owners need to – the Knicks. Dolan needs to get away from the team. <laughs> Leave. Go to another state. We don't want to see you. Just cash the checks or pay the checks. That's all we need. <laughs> um, so I, I think it's going to be interesting to see who they bring in. I would like to see Mark Jackson get another job. I think – he doesn't get enough credit for what he did with the Warriors. He's, yeah. I think he's a big reason for their success. Yeah, I do um, Steve Kerr, not to take anything away from Steve Kerr, I think he's a great coach too. But I think Mark Jackson did a lot of the legwork, and Steve Kerr kind of came in and was like, all right, well, we'll just tweak this and we'll be fine. Yeah, like um, Mark Jackson kind of almost finished the painting, and then Steve Kerr added a few more brushstrokes. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So in baseball news um, – you know, young season, things can change. Not a great time for Chris's in the uh, the MLB. Chris Sale has a negative .4 WAR or wins above replacement. He's 0 and 3 with a 9 ERA after getting that big contract extension to start the season off. Uh, I was a little, I had a little trepidation uh, going into the season with Chris Sale after seeing his velocity drop off in the playoffs, and it hasn't come back up. He was sitting, you know, 89 a couple starts ago, so. Uh, you know, him and then also Chris Davis, not looking great for him. 0 for 47? I think he's at 49 now. 0 for 49 yeah. dating back to last season, which is 
even worse than Chris Sale because at least Chris Sale got a championship out of his lower velocity. You know, and he closed out that ninth inning in uh, in the World Series to win the championship. Mm-hmm. Chris Davis has had no such luck. Yeah, I mean, he's having a better year this year. Um, he was at a negative one point seven WAR last year. He's only at a negative point eight WAR this year. Yeah, so, but they're what eleven games. Listen, in? listen, listen. <laughs> Until he's at negative one point seven WAR, it's a better he's year for Chris Davis. <laughs> All right. And listen, he's sitting at home with his $23 million this year. I think he'll be okay. But how much – I mean, at some point you have to not enjoy having that money. Yeah. Because it's like you are you got paid to be this great hitter, a great power hitter. You're not, everyone knows he strikes out a lot. He struck out you know 200-plus times however many seasons in a row. But I don't know if having all that money is really a consolation. It's almost like you didn't just – I mean, it's $23 million. You have $23 million yeah. every year. But it's like you didn't earn it. You didn't get, especially as a baseball player or a professional athlete of any kind, you have so much pride in what you do that it must be tough to just sit there and count your stacks of money and like, you know, tear rolls down your cheek. Oh, for one? (laughs) Two? You're just peeling off bills (laughs) as like a burn pile for however many times you strike out in a row or get out in a row. Um, I mean, I agree with that to an extent. Would you switch places with Chris Davis right now to get booed? Hundred percent. Yeah, I would go up there and not swing at a single pitch and take my money and go home. Oh yeah. I, I mean, he's in his mid thirties. It's not like he has much of a career left anyway. When they yeah. sign this contract, yeah. So I think the Orioles are partly to blame because you should have known what you were getting For into. Sure. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, listen, I'm pretty much willing to switch places with most people who have <laughs> a twenty-three million dollar salary. Um, so. Um. Yeah, I mean, he did earn his contract in those two years. He went off from the plate. The problem is he's just not earning it anymore. Mm-hmm. P- pitchers have found like figured him out. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a rough, rough scene for him. I hope he turns it around. You don't want to see anybody go over. No, I mean, listen, anything. we're not saying this to really make fun of Chris Davis. It's it's sad, honestly, it because really he was one of the great power hitters in today's game. Yeah, and I say today's game because it's the era of analytics and it's a different game where. You know, launch angle matters more than your average or strikeouts. Right. Um, so, you know, tough, tough, tough uh, start to the season for Chris's. Yeah. Chris, uh, the one who plays for the A's. Chris with a K. Chris with a K. Mm-hmm. Different spelling, different kind of year. Oh, yeah. Keeps hitting home runs, having a great start to the season. So Chris is with a C. Doesn't look like it's your season in the MLB. <laughs> um, you know, Chris Sale, going back to him, he had eight strike. He only has eight strikeouts through three starts. That's and... Rough. For someone who had 308 strikeouts in 2017 and even 237 last year, that's not what you want to see. No. That's not a good trend to start out with. Um, I mean, even in his last start, he had homes like stolen on him, and it wasn't even close. Mm-hmm. Wasn't even paying attention. Threw the ball away when he actually finally <laughs> saw a load screen. Um, that's a little bit on your teammates, though. Let's yeah. as a former pitcher. If yeah. your teammates aren't saying step off, step off, step off, something. Well, the problem The catcher was, doesn't do something, you know. Third baseman has to call it as soon as he sees it. Um, but also you have to make a good throw to home. Yeah, as a lefty, it's tough to go from a windup. Plus, your defense was already shifted away towards mm-hmm. the right field because it was a lefty pull hitter at the plate. Mm-hmm. So he could take as big as a big of a lead as he wanted. Basically, as far as the third baseman was off, he can get off that third base that much. Um, by the end of the game, though, he kind of turned around a little bit. Mm-hmm. He did give up a lot of runs at the beginning. His velocity was actually up later in the game too. Um, Hopefully he can build off the end of that game mm-hmm. and bring it into his next start. I yeah, mean, I mean, it's only his age 30 season. It shouldn't be too much of a downturn in velocity right now. He should be just entering his prime. Yeah. But you have to wonder how much his delivery takes toll on his on his body and his elbow especially. 
you know, that three quarter arm delivery and such a strange kind of, it's smooth, but it's also a little bit herky jerky when he releases. So I I don't know. I, I hope for the Red Sox sake, they didn't just throw all that money away to someone who's going to have a severe downturn in the next couple of years. And for his sake, I hope that as well. I mean, he's been so great to watch such an exciting pitcher to watch. He's dominant on the mound. Um, you know, finishing in top AL Cy Young voting, um, you know, top five mo- a couple years in a row. So, yeah. uh, you know, for Chris, for Chris's around the league, we hope you do better. Chris is with a C. Chris is with a C. Chris is with a K. Keep doing what you're doing. Yep. Don't change that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Ozzy Albies just today, uh, we're recording this on Thursday. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ozzy Albies signed a seven-year, wait for it, thirty-five million dollar contract. Why? 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 Yeah. Why well, would you do that? Why would you give somebody <laughs> that much money? That is way too much money for Ozzy Albies. That is way too much money for one of the budding stars of the MLB. You know, um, even in a limited sample size, his first season, he played fifty-six games and mm-hmm. hit two eighty-six. Yeah. You know, as a, a kid that just came up, and even last year he astounded Braves fans with the plays that he's able to make at second base, the way he hits him and Acuna jr. Complimenting each other throughout that lineup. And you give Ronald Acuna jr. Even he was underpaid. You gave him a hundred million dollars yeah. for what he is. I mean, he's what? 22 under 22. He's younger than 22. Cause he was on the list of, uh, or Twitter poll of players under 22 that I voted on. I picked Vladdy Guerrero jr. To be the best, yeah, but you know, that's uh, <laughs> anyway, um, but yeah, Ozzy Albies getting $5 million a year, $7 million, $5 million a year. Quick math. Once again, I'm a, <laughs> I'm a communications major. I don't do math. Um, I do words and I do writing. I'll do the math. <laughs> John will do the words and writing. That's why we make a great pair. <laughs> um, but yeah, five million dollars is absolutely insane for seven million for seven years. I have to assume there's opt outs. I have to. Yeah, I mean that one two punch at the beginning of the order of Acuna Junior and Albies is going to be a force to be reckoned with for, for such years little money to come for nothing <laughs> for nothing. And then you can build more around them. You can get the pitching that you need. You can, and they have it. That's what's so crazy is they're hurt, but they have Fultonavich. They have um, the kid with an S. I, I can't pronounce his name. Sok- uh, uh, Soroka. Yeah, I was going to say Sakura, but it's Soroka. Um, you know, they have talent in their farm system, especially, mm-hmm. and in their major league rotation when they're healthy. Uh, so the Braves, congratulations. You just stole Ozzy Alves for the next seven years. Um <laughs> I do like their pitching. I do think they still need that veteran presence in their yeah. rotation. And Dallas even in Keuchel. their bullpen. Yep, Dallas Keuchel. Craig Kimbrell. Braves, if you're listening to this. Literally. <laughs> please send. Literally please. any team. Sign either of them. They're all-stars. Minnesota Twins. <laughs> Twins. Sign Dallas Keuchel. Please. New York Mets. Sign both of them. Your bullpen's terrible. <laughs> um, <laughs> I had to whisper it because I'm not sure they know. No. So <laughs> Just in case. Um, but yeah, so we're going to get into a little different territory. We're going to... I mean, Mike Trout will probably come up in the conversation, but mm-hmm. we're going to get into our greatest of all time conversation for the MLB, which doesn't come up a lot. A lot of times it's kind of glossed over because there's so many different positions, so many players, you know, you can, and pitchers are kind of separated from this because it's a whole different game for them. Yeah. Um, so greatest pitcher of all time is different than greatest player of all time. Plus the whole segregation before the 50s is also. Yeah. So, I mean, Josh Gibson would have been a great player to have in this conversation. Apparently hit over 800 home runs in the Negro Leagues. Um, And 
you know, died before the Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier. I hate to see it. So uh, Satchel Page also up there. Mm-hmm. Just so many great players. Um, you know, those are some of the big names. I'm sure there's people that probably didn't get the recognition that they should have, and it's unfortunate. Um, but you know, we'll we'll get into it. Who I think I think I know your pick, but you can. It's Willie Mays. Okay, I have to go with Willie Mays. I mean, from. If we're talking about five tool players, greatest of all time, and if we can't count Mike Trout yet, mm-hmm. I'm thinking I'm going Willie Mays. I think Mike Trout will be above. If by the end of his career, I think I'm going to be saying Mike Trout. Mm-hmm. But right now, I'm going Willie Mays. He hit 656 home runs, I think. Mm-hmm. Great fielder, great hitter, great base runner. He did it all on the field. I know he made that one catch that everyone's going nuts about. I mean, that's kind of just a normal catch in the MLB this, these days, maybe? Jim Edmond made the best made the best catch of all time, and it was the same thing except he laid out full extension, and no one talks about it, and respect. I'm here for it. Put some respect on Byron Buxton's catches, too. Don't do that. Rather. Put some respect on <laughs> Jim Edmond's catches because he did it multiple times, and no one cares, yeah. which sucks. But, but, yeah, I'm definitely going with Willie Mays as my top uh, greatest of all time position player. So, major leagues. for myself, I refuse to count steroid users. Mm-hmm. Just as a personal policy, yeah, I think Barry Bonds is probably the greatest player numbers wise of all time. Do you think his he took steroids to get better, or do you think he took it as a result of his era? He took. To, I think that's a bullshit argument. I think he's took it because he took steroids because he wanted to be the best player of all time. So you don't think it was like everyone else is doing it? I need to be at their level. No, because he was already a Hall of Famer before he took Hall, before he took steroids, and I think he should be in the Hall of Fame before. If you know generally where the cutoff is for him taking steroids and not taking steroids, you should take those stats and look at them and say, "All right, he was a Hall of Famer." Yeah. Um, I I just don't think I think he's numbers wise going to be considered the greatest player of all time mm-hmm. with an asterisk because yeah. of the uh, the steroid issue. My pick is Ted Williams. Okay. Um, you know. I think he doesn't get the credit that he's due. He missed six years of his playing career fighting in wars, fought in World War II, fought in Korea. Um, didn't want to go to either of them. And, you know, that's a, a different, you know, argument. I, I kind of understand. Yeah. I, I would, they w- really wouldn't want to go to war either if nope. I was, you know, one of the best players in the in the league or even just a person in general. I mean, I'm pretty <laughs> bad at Call of Duty. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I respect the people that do go. I just, I can't imagine, mm-hmm. um, especially back then. Um, so, you know, he hit, he, he had his 400 season. He hit 406 in his second season in the league or third season in the league. Um, and I think that's just ridiculous. His last season as a 41 year old, he hit 316 yeah. in 113 games. I mean, there's just some things that he did that you just can't imagine doing ever, let alone, you know, the year that he hit 406, he also hit 37 home runs. Unheard of. <laughs> if you hit 37 home runs now, you're hitting 260. Easy, yeah. For, I mean, for, for the, the majority part, for the of players part, yeah. that yeah, do yeah. it. There's people that don't do that, but it's it's not it's not common. And, I mean, it wasn't super common then either that you were hitting, you know, no, no one hit 400. But no one, especially hit 400 with 37 home runs. Right. Now, you if you hit for average, you're a single hitter. Yeah, Whit Merrifield. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, who actually has a? I don't know if he got a hit today, but before today, he had a 31 game history. Mm-hmm. Nobody's talking about that. The longest ones like since Joe Maggio's. Oh wait, Chase Utley had what? How long was Chase Utley's? Um, let's look it up. Yeah. 
Um, I oh, remember really? that. I <laughs> I remember that that streak though. It was unbelievable. Yeah. That Phillies team was great too. Um, and uh, I actually saw Jimmy Rollins pop up as one of the people that uh, we should follow for our, our social media account yeah, at Open Gym Media on, uh, <laughs> on Instagram. <laughs> and uh, and I was like, man, that team was so good, and they really underachieved. Chase Utley had 35 games. Okay, so after that, it was Dan Ugly at 33, and then right now it's what Merrifield Street. Mm-hmm. So that's crazy. If you can get over 35. Yeah, that's that's really insane. Yeah. Um, so Especially with today's pitching. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, and I think that's kind of the caveat you have to make for for the players that we're naming yeah. because they played in Ted Williams started in 1939. Yeah, that's so. Um, it's a tough thing to say. Let me just put it this way: he has a 123.1 WAR over his his wins above replacement for his career. That's crazy. He had 2,600 hits, so not three a 3,000 hit club guy, 500 home run club guy, hit 344 for his career. I mean, I like Ted Williams a lot too. His book, Science of, The Science of Hitting, is one of the. It kind of helped me as a baseball player hit better, and it like just kind of dumbed everything down mm-hmm. and like simplified my mechanics. So I have a lot to, um, a lot of things to give to Ted Williams. Mm-hmm. I don't think we can go wrong with either of our picks. I agree. With I you. think they might even be one two. Yeah, it might be like one A one B. Yeah. Um, and the other things that I will add is he was a seventeen time All Star. Um, probably would have been more had he not missed the you know majority of two years of baseball in 1951 and 52. Mm-hmm. Or I'm sorry, uh, 50 it was just 52, and then I guess part of 53. But he was also an All Star in that year. So um, essentially, he could have had four more All Star appearances, including the three years he missed for World War II. Right. So that's insane that yeah. he would have been a 21 time All Star out of 20. Three seasons, mm-hmm. twenty four seasons. Yep. I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I just don't know how you compare that. Um, so, you know, I, I I agree with your pick. I think Willie Mays is definitely up there. Yeah, um, I, I think we made very good picks. The other <laughs> thing that I want to add is he never struck out over sixty five times in a season, which is his crazy. highest was sixty four strikeouts. It is so hard not to strike <laughs> out that much. And I mean, it's not like he was facing bad pitching. Yeah. You know, Bob Gibson. Beast. It, he was a National League player, mm-hmm. but I'm sure he saw him. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, maybe that's an an, an, an ineducated point of view. because Un- Uneducated? Yeah, because they didn't have interleague play, right? Oh yeah, I'm an idiot. It's uneducated. <laughs> not uneducated. <laughs> Maybe I don't do words. Maybe I just do writing. <laughs> All right, I'll do the math and the words. Right <laughs> right. You do the writing. Um, but yeah, I mean, listen, Major League Baseball goat conversation does not get the play that it should. No. There's part of that I think is because there's so many great players. Albert Pujols was up there for a while when you saw his the trajectory of his career. You were like, this kid's gonna be insane. He signed that deal with the Angels for all that bread and fell off a cliff. It makes no sense. Everybody except for Mike Trout. But has he really fallen off the cliff? He just hasn't been Albert Pujols. That's really it. I'm gonna look up the picture of the um, Angel sets on Saturday as a team batting average and slugging. No, but listen. He's what, 37? I'm going to read you these stats. <laughs> He's like, what, 37? Just give, just give me a second. But is he 37? I don't care how old he is. Just but that's important. <laughs> I don't know how important it is. If he's 37, he was pretty consistently hitting like 
and I mean, he was never, he wasn't hitting high average, but he was still hitting like 20 home runs a season. You want to play least? a fun game of trying to find Mike Trout's average in OPS? Sure. Respectively? All right. So first number is going to be average. Oh, I've seen this picture. First number is going to be OPS. Second number is going to be OPS. 273 and 546. Not Mike Trout. 400 <laughs> and 1.516. I don't know. 192 and 414. Is that Albert Pujols? Probably. <laughs> 231 and 624. That one might be Pujols. Four hitter. 222 and 509. Mm-hmm. 206 and 691. 125 and 250. Yeah, listen. No one's saying that the Angels are good. I'm just saying that Albert Pujols didn't really fall off a cliff. He Point, was okay. .071 batting average. Oh, my God. With a 142 OPS and 182 with .477. OPS. Dude, how do these guys have jobs? On Saturday, I remember this because I read a tweet about it. There was eight players on the Angels other than Mike Trout that had 20 at-bats. Mm-hmm. His average was higher than seven of eight of their sluggings. <laughs> and his OP or his slugging was higher than all of their OPSs. That's insane. Absolutely crazy. Yeah, so Pujols was the four-hitter. He had the, uh, the 214. Uh, but, I mean... He hasn't been as bad as I think I'm making an option to be, but he's not well, he just, what we expected him to be. It's also that he plays in Anaheim. Yeah. No one cares. Yeah. It's the same issue that Mike Trout has. Mike Trout's the best player in the game, but everyone knows Bryce Harper. He's And he's number 99 on ESPN World Fame of 2019. And he's the only baseball player on, in the top 100. Really? Yeah. I would think Bryce Harper would be ahead of Trout with in terms of fame. Well, no, no. Bryce Harper's 99. Oh, Bryce Harper's 99. And he's the only Trout's one. Trout's not even top. Yeah. Okay, yeah. that's really depressing. For world fame of athletes. Crazy. Yeah, that's really not good. Nope. So Baseball, market your market your stars better, please. Pujols' first season with the Angels was 2012. He hit 285. He hit 30 home runs. He hit 17 home runs in 2013. He had a little bit of a drop to 258. Mm-hmm. Came back up in 2014, 272, 28 home runs, 105 RBIs. Mm-hmm. 2015, 244, 40 home runs, 95 RBIs. 244 and 40 home runs is a stat line. <laughs> yeah, but again, brings into comparison how great Ted Williams was that he hit 406 with 37. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure we could pull up Willie Mays' stats and it'll be some more of the same where it's yeah. just ridiculous after ridiculous after ridiculous. 2016, 268, 31 home runs, 119 RBIs, driving in runs left and right. 2017, 241, 23 home runs, 101 RBIs. And then last year he had more of a down year, 245, 19 home runs, 64 RBIs. But I think he might have been hurt for some of that. No, I, mean, I think it's just his age is catching up to him. I mean, they did it like basically the only one, only contract – after the age 35 um, season, like the max con- – not max contract, but like MLB, like major contracts, mm-hmm. where it was actually like the stats didn't really drop off that much, was Barry Bonds. Yeah. Everybody else has been like after 35, it's kind of like they kind of start fading off. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. All right. Well, I think that pretty much wraps up this episode of the OG. Mm-hmm. Um Next week, we're looking to get our resident hockey guy in here, Nick Trujillo, who is a uh, contributor for for Open Gym, and uh, give you some some Stanley Cup picks, some some NHL stuff. We know the playoffs started this week. Uh, neither of us are huge hockey guys, and we don't want to lead nope. you astray with our hockey picks. Yep. Although it might be fun right now to go through the playoffs and pick random teams and see what happens. I'm gonna pick based off of. Um, jersey colors and mascots. <laughs> so that's how I'm going to be. All right. So 
this is a little bit of a uh, a bonus to the first episode of the OG. Generally, we won't do this in our outro. You're welcome, people. but we'll see what we pick, and then we'll get Nick in here next week, and we'll see what he what his picks were. We'll see how far we're. And uh, something tells me it seems to work out this way. The people who pick teams in the in the March Madness pools seem to always be the people that don't watch college basketball that win, and hopefully, we'll win this arrangement amongst friends mm-hmm. to see. You know, hopefully we beat our re- we beat our resident hockey guy. Yeah, I mean we'll only do this week though. Oh yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, After yeah, this, yeah. we're just gonna let Nick take it. And, yeah, 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 and have him tell you guys. We'll, about we'll it. do we'll do the first round. Everybody, everything else can shag off. All right, so you you make your picks for you make your pick first right, for. Uh, I was on the BR app, and I don't think it's gonna give me the playoffs. Really, I got you. I got you. All right, all right. So let's see. So predators and stars. All right. So I know what I said was gonna I was gonna go off team color and. Um, mascot mm-hmm. <sighs> predators would be the pick here, but PK Subban. When I used to play, back- I think he still plays. I think, I think there was a backyard hockey. Yeah, when I used to play backyard hockey, I was always the Dallas Stars for whatever reason. Mike Madonna. So always, the, I don't know why, <laughs> but I'm going with the Dallas Stars. All right, I'm taking the Predators. All right, I don't, I don't hate that pick. I'm not um, too confident in mine anyway. It's, I think it's the Maple Leafs. Maple Leafs and the Blues. And the Blues? This is fun. This is really fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the Maple Leafs. It's not. No, it's uh. Yeah, they would be in the Eastern. Right? Yeah, they would be. Um, let's see. Wait, I definitely give me a second. Uh, the Jets and the Blues. All, All right. right, Jets. To our credit, there is a Maple Leaf on the freaking yeah, logo. There's a jet in there, so we're kind of stupid, but. Uh, sorry. So the Jets and the Blues. Who are you taking? Uh, I'll go with the Blues. All right, I'll go with the Blues too. That, that's oh, a good there's pick. the Jet. Okay, yeah. The uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it looks just like a Maple Leaf. Yeah. Um. So the Calgary Stars and the Colorado Avalanche. I already picked. Oh, it's the Flames. What did I say? Stars. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We really know hockey, but I'm gonna go with the big hockey guys. Oh, huge hockey guys. I'm gonna go with the Flames. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the Avalanche. All right, I like this. I think we got, uh, we got opposing the teams. Sharks and the Golden Knight, the San Jose Sharks and the Las Vegas Golden Knights. I'm taking the Golden Knights. I'm going to Golden Knights too. Got to ride with team, it, baby. Um, the Islanders and the Penguins. Listen, I'm a Long Island kid. I was born there. Didn't spend a lot of time there. Family there, whole thing. Dad was an Islanders fan. I'm taking the Islanders for, uh, you know. I'm a, I'm a Ranger fan, but I'll take the Islanders for the New York connection. Mm-hmm. Dan's a self-proclaimed. My brother Dan self-proclaimed. Uh, Penguins fan, I'm going to take the Islanders. That boy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Hurricanes and Capitals. Uh, Ovechkin. It's one of the only players I know in the league. Um, they won it last year. <sighs> but the Hurricanes, uh, I'm going to go Capitals. I'm going to go Capitals as yeah. well. Uh, Bruins and Maple Leafs. You know what? I said Maple Leafs earlier. I'm going with the Maple Leafs. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like the Maple Leafs pick. Also, just don't want another Boston team to win a championship. Yeah, They've had enough. We don't need a little kid on another parade. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and then the Lightning and the Blue Jackets. Uh, Lightning. Steven I'm gonna go Blue Jackets. It's Steven Stamkos, another guy, only like another. But guy it's in Tampa. Hockey. They don't deserve I don't it. Care they, it's not it a. Is. It's a cold weather city. It's like saying the Blue Jays can't win the World Series because it's America's. But pastime. it gets warm there. It doesn't. It but, but, never but, gets but, cold but, in Tampa. But, 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 but baseball's America's pastime, so you can have a Canadian team in the World Series. But they didn't make the World Series. Who cares? No, but I'm saying like in general. That's a dumb argument. Anyway, it's a great argument. <laughs> All right, never mind. All right, so we'll get Nick in here next week. We'll see if we can remember our picks. We'll listen back to this before the episode, yeah, I'll, I'll write and it down. we'll uh, 
we'll see what he has to say about our picks. Um, he comes back from his trip abroad uh, this weekend, yeah. and uh, that's the only reason he's not here to do this with us today um, as our resident hockey guy. So thank you guys for tuning in to the, uh, the first episode of The OG. Also check out our other podcast from Open Gym, The Eighth Kingdom. It's uh, a Game of Thrones podcast, breaking down every new Game of Thrones episode. Love me some Game of Thrones. And uh, Steve doesn't watch Game of Thrones. So. But I listened to the podcast and it was really good. So listen yeah. to it. So listen to the podcast. Listen to this podcast. Tell your friends and uh, follow us on social media at Open Gym Media. Steve, yes, you have a question? <laughs> you told him to listen to this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah, the fucking podcast. <laughs> yeah, I did. So, <laughs> so uh, I'll, I'll restate that. Listen to this podcast. Tell your friends to listen to this podcast. And listen, and listen to, to this podcast. Listen to the future podcasts. Exactly. There Keep up with us, subscribe, like, uh, and rate us. So uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and also Anchor.com. Check us out. Uh, thank you guys for listening. All right. Have a good one. Thanks, guys.